Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bikita EH News uh, podcast, your go-to source for EHS news. So whether you're just getting into the health and safety field or you're a seasoned veteran, you know, we discuss news topics each week that keep you up to date and informed with trending topics in the industry. So last week we had discussed CDC requirements for having a negative COVID-19 test before individuals are allowed to travel on flights to the US. And we also discussed the recycling of wind turbines and efforts to make renewable energy source more green. On this episode, uh, we'll be going over two articles uh, that Barton and Kendra will be discussing uh, and an executive order mandating mask wearing in all federal buildings and on public lands. And the second article on the executive order to protect worker health and safety from COVID-19. Uh, with that, we will turn it over to Barton. All right. So thank you very much, Damian. As probably many of us know, Joe Biden signed some executive orders on the first day he was in office on January 20th. And one of those, as Damian said, is the executive order on protecting the federal workforce and requiring mask wearing. Now, I think some folks, especially me when I first heard it, thought this was a executive order on mask wearing, but it's got a little bit more information in, in it than just some broad mandate for the country since I'm not sure he can require everybody in the country to do that. So anyways, I wanna go through the different sections. There's specifically seven sections of the executive order, but the important ones that we're gonna talk about uh, start with section number two. So section number two requires immediate action for uh, federal employers, employees, contractors, uh, and the buildings and lands that the federal government owns and controls for, um, for combating COVID-19. And that includes requiring the use of masks, of social distancing, uh, and other CDC recommendations on federal property. The, um, and then the second section, or the third, sorry, the third section encourages mask wearing everywhere. But it is important to point out that it says it encourages mask wearing everywhere. So all throughout the country. And it, it is asking the CDC, the Health and Human Services uh, Department to engage with states and other local organizations to also promote the use of, uh, of masks and other preventative measures for, for stopping COVID-19. The fourth section is for establishing the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force. So a team of, of federal employees uh, on, a, on a task force that is meant to review the safety of the federal workforce. Um, so it's, it's a team that's meant to be put together to review how everything's going with all the different workers and to promote and uh, recommend various practices that, that they think are important. Probably the stuff that the CDC is gonna say is, is necessary. And then the fifth section is about federal employee testing. So um, 
really this is just requiring there to be a plan. So the, um, the COVID-19 response coordinator is supposed to get a plan together for combating COVID-19. And then the sixth section is about our research and development. And that's uh, how basically Biden is asking or telling his groups like the CDC, the NIH, uh, the director of OMB, and these are asking them to look into the use of federal grants and funding for research uh, related to COVID-19. So it's kind of a broad, it, it's not just about masks, although that's the takeaway that a lot of people get. It's not a mask mandate because I don't think he can do a mask mandate. He can't force states to follow it for all citizens. Although, you know, it sure would help if everybody would wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's one of the things, you know, he can't really tell everybody what to do, but he's definitely like making it a point that we should be massing up to like really combat transmission of, you know, the, the COVID-19 virus. Whereas, you know, previous administrations didn't really take a stand one way or another. And there's a lot of confusion as to what people should be doing. And he's taken that like a different direction. So that's reassuring. You mean the previous administration? The previous administration. Only one other one. <laughs> um, right. He can't make everybody do it. I'm not sure he really wants to make everybody do stuff because that might create more polarization and kind of conflict. But we had said this in a previous episode, I, or I think I brought it up, is that we could pretty much end the community spread of COVID if everybody would wear masks. Like if everybody was diligent for two weeks about wearing masks and social distancing and not doing uh, small gatherings or big gatherings or whatever, it would not, maybe probably wouldn't go all the way away, but it would pretty much stop spreading. I mean, it's possible, right? Because like, New Zealand did it. Australia. I think those places had good, um, had good, they had, they had a good run and then it caught up with them. Like I know New Zealand was like, we haven't had a, a case yet. And then all of a sudden they got hit. Mm. Seems like everybody's gotten hit. Like Israel started off doing well, but then I think they got a little bit overwhelmed. So, but they can require this for the federal lands and um, federal facilities and workers and contractors. So expect that if you happen to work for the government, the federal government. It's a smart thing to do. Everybody should be wearing a mask, protect yourself. If you have access to an N95 or a KN95, that's better than a piece of cloth over your face. Yeah, and I, th I think that's one of the other things he's looking to do is put into place the Defense Production Act to try and get more of these masks out there as part of his plan. So, you know, the excuse of not having enough masks available, I think will be addressed over time. Yeah, I mean, if everybody had access to an N95, that 
they didn't have to pay for. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people probably can't afford to buy in 95s, but if you could give them out and tell people how to actually wear them, even if they wear it, not that great. I mean, it's still better than nothing. Right. So, but yeah, that was one of his executive actions on mask wearing. I've seen other posts about it. So I'm glad we got to, got to talk about it for a few minutes. It's nice to see other programs being put in place, like an emphasis on R and D an emphasis on creating a task force that's going to follow their progress and, and an emphasis on creating a plan for them to follow like all these, like it's one thing to just create a whole bunch of masks or to tell everybody to wear masks, but to create some programs to sort of follow the progress of, of their actions is, is important. So yeah, and it's good to get buy-in, you know, from the top down, right? So you get the the president basically saying, you know, this is what needs to happen and we're gonna institute this. Other people will follow suit. Right. If you if you see them doing it, I think people are more apt to to mask up. I hope so. I mean, a lot of the noise is gone. A lot of political noise. I mean, it's still there, talk about? But, but now you have a leader who's saying the truth. And hopefully that means more people hear it. Anyways, that was it. Ba boom. Oh. <laughs> one of his gazillion executive orders, or thirty, maybe thirty, he did on day yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, there were quite. A few. I was reading uh, some of the other ones too. The next one that we have on the list is the executive order on protecting worker health and safety, and this particular order only has it only has a couple of sections. Um, so their policy is basically to protect the health and safety of workers from COVID-19, to reduce the risks that workers may contract COVID in the workplace, and then also stating again that wearing masks and uh, partnering with local and state governments to protect public employees is going to help people stay safe. So section two talks about protecting workers from COVID-19 under OSHA. The Secretary of Labor with the help of local agencies are going to be revising guidances to employers on workplace safety during the pandemic. Uh, and this has to happen within two weeks of the date of this order. So he signed this on January 21st. So two weeks from that date, workplace, uh, workplaces have to have that in place. Uh, they also need to take in consideration any emergency temporary standards on COVID and issue the necessary standards by March 15th. They are supposed to review enforcement efforts of OSHA related to COVID to better protect workers. And they want to launch a national program to focus OSHA enforcement efforts related to COVID on violations that put the largest number of workers at serious risk. So well, I'll be interested to see how those metrics about uh, the fines and the number of violations if whether or not they change. Because it seems yeah. like, like they update that regularly on the OSHA website. But as we've said, the average is about 13,000 per violation or per inspection. So you think they're going to go up or down? I don't know. Or just more of them? It's hard to know. I mean, what do you compare it to? I, you, 
like what would you compare the we don't have a pandemic to compare it to so i guess if it like if we should have a discussion about it if like in a month from now we can look at the, the stats we should compare them between the two administrations and if there's a difference let's talk about why yeah that sounds like a good idea i mean you can guess what we'll say if biden's administration does more regardless it's better it it's good that they're going to start keeping some metrics and keeping track of these so that we can see the data and then we can compare it when we have more of it. The last part to section two is coordinating with the Department of Labor's Office of Public Affairs, Office of Public Engagement and all regional office uh, offices of OSHA to conduct a multilingual outreach campaign. And I think that's important because there are a lot of people in the workforce that maybe don't speak English or um, are multilingual so that way they can inform workers about their rights under the applicable law. Um, yeah. I wonder, I haven't looked into that either. Like if, uh, if some language barriers are keeping people uh, at a higher risk of contracting COVID because they are maybe unsure of what could help them stay healthier and safer. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't help. Like, COVID aside, people who don't understand what you're saying I get, are going to not understand the rules. If you're telling, I mean, we've had, I've had to coach contractor teams uh, that were mostly non-English speaking and had to have a, an interpreter there. And I remember talking for a few minutes saying, okay, like, say a few things. Okay, for fall protection, make sure you wear your harness, make sure you have you know, all the things in place that you need in place. And then I would say like, and they're like nodding. Yes, of course, I understand what you're saying. And then you, I'd ask him a question and he would, the person had no idea what I was asking. Oh. So it's important to make sure that they know what you're talking about. And if they don't, they're just, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and a lot of the like critical workers too are usually, you know, there, there's a large portion of them that are like lo the lower paid individuals. So, you know, people in housekeeping or environmental services who typically are, are more predominantly, um, you know, of like a different background, right? So in terms of, you know, maybe English isn't their first language and there's some sort of uh, barrier there to prevent them from really getting information communicated in a timely manner. I think that happens more often in that setting than people than people realize. And then there's people like me who speak American. <laughs> American. American. The last section is protecting other categories of workers from COVID-19. Basically, for states that don't have plans under Section 18 of OSHA, which is state jurisdiction and state plans um, that ensure workers are covered by plans uh, that are adequately, adequately protected from COVID-19, uh, they the states that don't have plans are going to consult with the state and OSHA for appropriate parties for public employees' safety and health. And then they're also going to explore some ways to protect workers who aren't protected under the act so that they can remain healthy and safe on the job. I didn't, I didn't know this until reading this, but 
I didn't know there were people that were not protected and states that, that don't have certain plans that cover the health and safety of workers. So that was interesting. Well, until there's a federal law, states don't have, states have to do, if they have their own safety departments, then they don't have, they basically just have to be as stringent as the federal guidelines. But if there's no federal guidelines then they don't have to do anything. I see. There's no, so. And like uh, we talked a few weeks ago about how California just rolled out their COVID-19, Cal, the Cal OSHA rolled out their COVID-19 requirements. And it sounds similar. I mean, it, it sounds like what common sense would tell you you should have is a plan, what happens when somebody gets infected. So you, you should have the steps that you would take when someone gets infected. You should have a testing plan, um, contact tracing plan, should have plans around keeping people socially distant, distanced, keep them in masks if possible. So. Yep, that was it for that executive order. Good. It'll be interesting to see how everything unfolds. So that will wrap us up for this week. I uh, we just want to thank you again for joining us this week and turning into the Bikita News with Bart, Kendra, and Damien. We hope that you enjoyed the discussion uh, on this episode where we discussed uh, the executive order to protect workers' health and safety and the executive order mandating mask wearing. Um, as always, you can head over to Bikita.org to join our mailing list. You can also find the links and resources for this episode. You can also sub subscribe to us on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. Um, thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Be safe.